When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Contemporary crooner Harry Connick Jr. performs live at Wolf Trap tonight. We spoke in 2018 about him recording It Had to Be You for When Harry Met Sally and serving as a judge on American Idol. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Now, if our listeners come out there, obviously we've heard your songs, we've seen your movies, we've seen you uh, on Idol, everything. They, they're they all familiar with your stuff, but when they come to Wolf Trap specifically, what are, what are we going to hear? Well, you know, we're celebrating New Orleans this tour. We're going to be playing all kinds of New Orleans music from all the different influences I had growing up there and that I continue to have. So it's going to be really, really fun. It's It's kind of a... A big, a big party celebration. So, if people are coming out to hear, you know, a lot of the things from the American Songbook, it's going to be a lot of stuff that people recognize, and it'll be a lot of fun for sure. You said it'd be stuff people recognize. I don't. I know. I don't want you to spoil everything. We want it to be some surprises. But is there a, a teaser to anything on the set list? Well, you know, we change it up every night. There's so many songs, so a lot of it just depends on how we're feeling that night and looking, you know, at the relationship that we develop with the audience. So it it really does kind of change every night, but we'll be playing stuff from, I mean, I've recorded a lot of the stuff that that I'm probably going to play, but some of it's gospel, some of it's New Orleans traditional jazz, some of it's... New Orleans funk, some of it's, you know, like parade music. We're, we're, playing, we're playing a whole bunch of stuff. It's going to be a wide array of things. That's awesome. Well, you mentioned uh, growing up in New Orleans, and obviously being surrounded by all that jazz had to have had a huge impact on you. And, but is it also true that your parents owned a record store? They did, but that was before I was born. They, they had a, a record store in the 50s that they uh, used to provide income for them when they were going to school, going to college. Uh, but that was long before I came along. But the, the the benefit for me was that they kept all of those records and, and played them in the house. They were big music fans, so there was constantly music being played in our house, uh, most of which, you know, was, was an influence to me. Do you remember what some of those records were? I mean, you've always had that awesome throwback to some of the crooners of the Sinatras and Dee Martins and those kind of guys. But what, is there any of those big band albums? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of lot of stuff like that. Uh, they, you know, they loved Frank Sinatra. They were playing Frank Sinatra in the house all the time. And, you know, they had Nat Cole records and Perry Como records. And then, you know, my sister, who was older than me, would listen to everybody from Queen to the Beatles to Zeppelin to... Oh, man, it was just music all the time. And for a kid like me who was obsessed with it, it was just paradise. 
That's awesome. So that's sort of how it seeps down into into your bones uh, in an early age. But when did you start taking it more seriously and think I'm gonna I'm gonna actually pursue this? You know, I started taking it real seriously from an early age. I mean, I, I made my first record when I was nine years old, and I started playing, you know, with the symphony at about the same age, and made my next record at eleven years old. So I mean, it, it was pretty obvious from a very early age that that's what I was gonna do. So you know, I wasn't really good at anything else, so it worked out pretty well for me. I wasn't a very good student. Uh, I was a horrible athlete. So, you know, it was fortunate that I was interested in music, uh, and that's what I did all of the time. That's awesome. Tell me about the New Orleans Center for Creative Arts and uh, how that influenced you and how much music education is important, too. Oh, it's paramount. You know, there's a lot of people who sort of subscribe to the thought that, you know, music is, you know, primarily playing what you feel. And I, and I agree with that to a large degree. I think it is important to express yourself creatively, but you hamper your potential when you don't know anything about the craft of making music. Like if you think about dancers, there are certain techniques that dancers use that allow them to speak the language of dance. There's a vocabulary. And music is the same way. Yeah, you can go out and just play what you feel, but people sometimes think that music education somehow uh, lowers your ability to be soulful or something like it's 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 a crazy thing. But a lot of people think that music education is is absolutely imperative if you're going to be a musician, um, and I and I believe very strongly in it. So I was real lucky to be able to to have access to a lot of that as a kid. I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's it's sort of a marriage of the two, right? It's uh, you know, it's being able to play what you feel and go off those instincts, but you need the muscle memory of you know of, of the actual training and the education. So no, I think you're right. Uh, tell me about uh, how does Rob Reiner tap you to do when Harry met Sally? Which to me, I know there's been a lot of great ones. Uh, Annie Hall, you know, it happened one night, lots of rom coms. But to me, when Harry met Sally, the best romantic comedy of all time. How did he contact you and do? Uh, it had to be you. Well, it's a kind of a crazy story. Um, there's a guy named Bobby Columbi who used to be the drummer for Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Well, Bobby Columbi has an older brother named Harry Columbi, and he used to manage a piano player by the name of Thelonious Monk. When I came on the scene, it was obvious that Thelonious Monk was a big influence of mine. Well, this caught... Bobby Columbia's attention, and Bobby Columbia was working at Columbia Records and was a friend of Rob Reiner's and said, oh, I know this young kid. I know you're looking for some, some underscoring for when Harry met Sally. You should hire this kid. And then one thing led to another, and I ended up singing a bunch of songs for the film, and, and uh, that's kind of how it happened. I know Billy a lot better than I know Meg. I've met her a few times, but they uh they they were both very supportive and and um just the nice nice people for sure that's awesome. Well, uh, you win your first Grammy for that one. I think the thing went like double platinum. Um, you start doing a bunch of other soundtracks, Godfather 3, Sleepless in Seattle, The Mask. Um, but when did you actually pivot to say, hey, I actually might go in front of the camera here? I think my first recollection was Independence Day. You were like the goose to Will Smith's Maverick. How, how did that, how'd that yeah. transition happen? Well, I had been doing musicals in high school and I loved it. It was just a matter of you know, finding the right thing. And so I did a movie called uh, The Memphis Bell, which was like a World War II movie. Right. Uh, I had a small part in that, and then I did uh, uh, another one called um, 
copycat and a movie that Jodie Foster directed called Little Man Tate. And they, they were just, I just loved it. You know, it was just a matter of finding scripts that, that I liked and then pursuing it like anything. You know, you can't really wait for things to come to you. You have to get out there and hustle for them. And, 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 and I loved doing it. So it was a, it was a pleasure to go out and, and try to make these projects happen. And then you go. You mentioned is sort of you've had you know bit parts in those, but you actually got a a, a leading role in Hope Floats, directed by Forrest Whitaker. And what was it like to actually step into the leading role shoes? And uh, all of a sudden, you know, you're writing the scores for a romantic comedy in When Harry Met Sally, and then suddenly there you are as the leading man. You're Billy Crystal in this one. But what was that like to have that responsibility and to step up and deliver like you guys did? Yeah, it was great. You know, and whether it's a little tiny part or a leading role, you know, I think the the concept is the same you know you show up to work and you're prepared and do the best you can whether it's one day or you know 60 days and that's that's what i did and and you know working with people like forrest whitaker and and sandra bullock is a dream come true you know they're so they're so talented and 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 brilliant at what they do it was it was just a pleasure to work with them and then how, what, was the, what, what challenges were there to go to the, the small screen? for Will and Grace, you're members of that whole experience. That was a really funny show, man. That was great. You know, I, I mean, that whole cast of Will and Grace, you know, was and still is, you know, among the most talented people on television. And uh, it, it was just um, a thrill. You know, doing a sitcom like that, a, a four, multi-camera sitcom, is, is a lot like doing a Broadway show because it's live in front of an audience and you memorize the whole thing at once as opposed to a film which you just memorize the scene you're doing that day and and I love that I love doing you know Broadway and being in front of an audience so so doing Will and Grace was was a great experience and and that that team is just a blast to be around so it was it was really fun Awesome. And then, ironically, um, you mesh the two, music and TV, and uh, as a, I guess at first a mentor on Idol, right? And then, then you come back to, to actually be one of the three judges for the last couple seasons there when it was on Fox. But memories of, uh, of I guess, first the mentorship. Being a mentor was great. I, I, I like that because I, I grew up with a lot of great mentors. So being a mentor is, is really fun. You get to sit around with these kids and really get to know them and talk to them and try to share some things that you think will help them uh, in their careers and, and things that they can use on stage. Being a judge is a completely different thing because you're, you don't talk to them, you don't get to know them, there's no relationship there. You just sit back and objectively respond to what they're doing, which is not as much my style as mentoring. I like to get to know them. Uh, but the, the judging was really fun. I did it for three years, and, and I worked with J-Lo and Keith and Ryan, of course, and they're just a lot of fun to be around, and it was a, it was a great gig. I mean, you sit up there and listen to people sing and tell people what you think about it. You know, it was, it was about as fun as you could imagine. Awesome. And then you got a talk show, Harry, out of that, and, and all other opportunities, too, after Idol, but bringing it back full circle to Wolf Trap. Why should our, if our listeners have heard this whole thing just in closing, why, why should they come on out? Why should they get out to this one over all the other options they can do in town? Well, we don't have the most fun than anybody <laughs> else, I can promise you that. And we, listen, I, I love performing. Um, I think anybody who's seen me in concert knows that. Um, and we lay it all out on the stage. It's just such an honor for us to perform. Um, we take it very, very seriously. When that showtime comes, it's 
it's it's it's like a gift to us and we we love performing and and trying to take people away from their routines and everyday problems for a while we just want to entertain them and make them smile and let them forget about the world for a little while and it's just um it's just a thrill to perform and so if you're if you're looking to to, to see some incredible musicianship i have the best band in the world and uh, we just can't wait to get there and play Awesome. Well, if you can't wait, we really can't wait. So thanks again for your time, sir. Again, it's Harry Connick Jr. at uh, Wolf Trap. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. Good talking to you. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.